Hey guys, welcome to the You Make the Scene podcast. My name is Josh, and this is episode number 158. This week on the show, I've got a great conversation with Dawson Scholes of The Ongoing Concept. Uh, huge fan of this band. They're on Solid State Records. Um, new album coming out. Just had a great time talking with him. This is kind of a reintroduction to the band. They're back to the old lineup. They're back to, you know, really diving into this project and have a reignited fire and passion um, that is very, very apparent within this album. Um, the album is called... And and I think it's a super fitting name. We talked about it a little bit in the episode, but, you know, it's the ongoing concept. Again, it's this re-emergence and, and again, a introduction to who this band is. So really excited for you guys to check out the album. Uh, but for now, let's dive into this episode. This is my conversation with Dawson Shoals of The Ongoing Concept. Um, to kick things off, I do start with the same boring-ass question every time, only because I'm too lazy to come up with something else. Uh, it's a simple introduction, man. Who are you? little background on yourself and kind of why we're having this conversation. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, is that what you're wanting me to ask me now, or do you want yeah. to start? Yeah, we'll kick it off right now. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, my name is Dawson Schultz. I am the vocalist and guitar player for the band The Ongoing Concept, and I am hanging out with son of a bitch. I forgot the name. You're all good. My name it's is Josh. Josh. You make the scene. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Well, all I'm good. looking at my email of all the people that I... <laughs> yes. No, you're totally fine. But yeah, I uh, I, I play guitar and sing in, in The Ongoing Concept, and we're here chatting and seeing... Things talking, we were just talking about, uh, I don't even know, Daniel Tosh. That was what we were talking about. Yep. Yeah. So um, for those that aren't familiar with the band, because you guys have, have been around for a little while, um, but you've kind of been silent for a little while as well. Let's talk a little bit about this resurgence of the band, the, the revival of the band, if you will. You guys are dropping some of your first new music since 2017. Um, you've got the boys back together. It's, it's back to an original lineup. What's this time really mean for you? And kind of this, I want to say like restoked fire, because that's obviously what it is. Yeah, it's, <clears throat> it's cool. Like we really, we've all grown up a lot. We've all matured. We've all done our things. Um, and this, this way, this record in general is just, so much fun because it kind of feels like we are back to when we were writing like our EPs back in like 2009. Like we have nothing to lose in this band. Right. We're just having a good time writing again. And I was just talking about this on the last interview that I was having about how important it was and is for us to have passions outside of our band. Um, because, you know, growing up with uh, three brothers, you know, me and Kyle and Parker, uh, you know, you're living in the same house together, you're in close quarters, and then you 
put yourselves into a 15 passenger van for several years, even closer quarters. And you're supposed to like be a happy functioning, like band that plays in a different city every night, put yourself at risk sleeping at Walmart parking lots, like the amount of stress and craziness of all of that. And to stay like healthy mentally and, and you know, all of that, it's just not, it just didn't work out. It doesn't work like that. And so, you know, when the guys left back in 2015, we were all just really, we all just needed to grow up a little bit. Parker was still in high school. You know, Kyle was married and wanted to start a family. Like there was a lot of things that just kind of needed to happen. And um, so we all kind of just found our passion outside of, of, of the band. And so when we came back to write again, we're like, man, this is so much fun. Cause we just don't really care uh, if people don't like it. Okay. If people like it, awesome. Uh if we don't really tour that much, well, that's just life. You know, like, like there's no, there's nothing to lose. And um, I think that's what made this album so cool. And I think people will feel that vibe um, when they listen to the full record. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think that is a, an important thing, you know, like the old cliche is that regardless of if you're actually family in a band or not, like that's your brothers, that's, you know, your family, whatever, but when you're actually family and in a band, it can be a lot because like you almost lose some of the outlet that you would normally have of like being able to vent or, you know, just be like, hey, like you said, you're all living in the same house. So like, hey, fuck you. I don't want to see you for a week. Well, OK, I guess I'm sitting in my room with my door closed because <laughs> I can't go anywhere. <laughs> yeah. And it's weird, too, because like. I think there's a lot of passive aggressiveness in, in bands when they're not siblings. So for me, Parker and Kyle, we were brothers. So we just late, well, Parker, not so much because Parker's six years younger than I am. And so, but Kyle and I fought a lot. Like we didn't, and not fight like physically, like we just didn't let each other. We just said what we wanted to say. And it was oftentimes incredibly brutal and incredibly honest. And that, it's not fun. like it's not fun to wake up having those conversations over and over and over. It's it's just family bands are hard. I don't know how people do them. If you there's a lot of history of family bands having hard times. So it's not it's not like unusual that we were struggling a little bit at the time. But we were so young. I mean, I was I think I was like 25. And Kyle was 23. Parker was like 17 or something, maybe even 16. Like that's a young time. That's a very emotional yeah. um, trying to find who you are period of your life. And to add touring in the mix is just rough. And I, I have said this multiple times, um, mainly because I work after the banquet, I started working for a mental health program um called integrated interventions and so i was i i used to work i do all their multimedia and and um marketing stuff now but i i worked as a mentor just helping people that are like on the spectrum uh, maybe have schizophrenia um transitioning people uh like like lots of stuff and they they turn 18 and they, they struggle to know what to to do to like get themselves in the community whether it's getting a job or 
um, getting a driver's license, like all of these things that happen post 18 years old. And so I worked one-on-one with them for several years. And then I started doing their marketing, but because of that, I found like a passion outside of music. And I love this company. We've grown so much in the past um, four years. And I feel like I'm a big part of the growth of that company. And I love what I do. And so for me, music now and this band is is awesome. It's fun. But I don't wake up every morning going, okay, what are we going to do to stay relevant today? What are we going to do to you know, get our numbers higher. Like now I'm just like, I enjoy hanging out with my brothers, writing music, making music videos, making silly content. And that's fun. Like there's nothing that's holding me back. Now there's bands though. And that's where I'm getting at. It's like, there's so many bands that literally don't know anything else, but the identity of their own band and the identity of themselves, especially on social media. Cause they are technically like an entity right. or an influencer. And that is where I see the mental health issues happening with these people. They're struggling. They're waking up and they're having so much anxiety and all this shit. And it's like, that's because they don't have a passion outside of the band. And it sucks because society has kind of forced you to have to make your presence popular always, or you will literally be nothing tomorrow because people's attention spans are so so short these days. Yeah, so. absolutely. A um, few things on that. Number one is uh, we need to talk about you getting on my other podcast because I have a second podcast called Musicians for Mental Health. So I didn't know oh, that right. about you. And this is super dope because I think you could contribute a lot there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> number two, what I, what I, you know, really, you know, kind of take away from what you just said is that regard again regardless of if you're a family or not like being able to separate yourself from the band is an important thing because it gives you a a different angle of perspective on everything like you know if if you're a photographer or whatever it is that you go down the rabbit hole on you can look back at the band and go okay does that make me happy and like i'm by no means just or you know trying to justify or or tell any bands to break up by any means but like if the main stressor in your life is the thing that you claim to love you need to figure out the balance to that right yeah yeah because if you don't like it's it i I, it's hard because i think at some point and i i remember feeling this way it felt like you were literally your life was the band, your life was everything that involved the band and you woke up and you breathed the band always. And that's so unhealthy considering the fact that there's other things that are more important, something even as simple as like your family or um, like your, your relationship or your marriage or this and that Um, whenever you're putting that first, like that's when things really take a turn because I think the way that you view the world is incredibly shitty at that point. And um, <laughs> I don't know. I, it, it's rough. I'm just trying, I'm going back into the, the way I was thinking, just trying to think back on some of those years, especially after the guys left the band. Cause I did, I did do the front man thing for like two years and that was pretty, those were some pretty dark times, not like dark, like, like bad, like I was doing drugs or anything like that. Right. But mentally, 
it was rough because financially, you know, metalcore bands or metal bands or rock bands, whatever, any band trying to, you know, tour and, and do their thing is, is not making a whole lot of money. I mean, we're making enough money to maybe break even on a tour, but then you get home and realize, oh, wait, we just played, we just toured for six weeks and we're breaking even, which means we basically made no money and we could have worked a normal job for six weeks, making 18 or 20, you know, 15, 16, $17 an hour and actually had money. We have no money. We just broke even, you know? And so right. it, it's, it's really rough. Um, God, I just, I am so glad I'm not in that situation anymore. It's just not fun. Yeah, no. And it's <laughs> funny, the interview I had right before yours today, um, which will be coming out, I think probably like a week before yours now, but um, I just talked to Jake from between you and me down in Australia and talked about like the expenses of coming over to the U S and all that. And like, yeah. even for an American band tour in the U S like you said, like the odds of me walking away from a tour and being like, hell yeah, we did an amazing job and we got, you know, $20,000 in our pocket isn't going to happen. You know, the reality is even on a great tour, hell yeah we're coming around with $5,000 to split amongst the five of us in the band, plus any, you know, label fees or anything like that, that went into it. Like we're coming away with 300 bucks a person. All right, cool. Yeah. And then <laughs> something that was funny too, is we <laughs> like a month or two after a tour, we'd start getting tolls in our mailbox <laughs> yep, and yeah. those would add up to like 300 bucks after like the full tour. Cause we'd be doing the whole East coast run and like New York, just across a bridge was 30 bucks. Like it would rack up so fast. And then, you know, at that time we're like, we never accounted for any of that. So then we're just <laughs> like, what? And it's just hard. And being from Australia, I can't imagine. We toured with a band um, called Bellhaven. They were mm -hmm. opening on that Norma Jean Sleepwave 68 tour that happened back in 2015 and they're from Australia. And I think they cost them $30,000 to fly yeah. over everybody and rent like an RV and, and do all this stuff. And it, man, talk about expensive. And yeah. uh, it's, I don't know. It's not, it's, it's not feasible for so many people, but uh, yeah. I don't yeah, know. no, it, it is insane. And, you know, we were just spitballing the number when I was talking to him, but the estimate was right around 20 grand for him to get the whole band over. Um, that's not including like he said, it's going to be the band and a, a photographer friend. That's nobody for merch. That's no driver, nothing like that's them. And their equipment was 20 grand plus all the visa fees. And they're going to be over here for roughly six weeks. Like it is absolutely bananas. That's crazy. I, and it sucks too, because Australia is a. I'll just I'll just say I, I'm very I'm very thankful to live here. Yes, <laughs> like, yes. I'm actually Canadian, so I was born in Canada, and my family moved from Canada down here, um, because there's just not a lot of opportunity in Canada either. My dad owns his own business; he's an electrician, and there was just no opportunity to kind of start your own thing. And so I'm, I always feel very blessed to live in the U S I know people might say otherwise, like, Oh, Canada's better. I mean, Canada's cool, but like, 
it just it's so much easier to do this kind of creative arts type style thing here in the u.s because it's just the hub for everybody you know yeah. so i love yeah. it yeah for sure and i think you know it, the proof in that is it's kind of ironic right because like the proof is that all these foreign bands want to come here all the bands from the uk all the bands from australia like everybody wants to get to the u.s the irony is the flip side of that all the american bands that are like man i want to go to the uk i want to go to to you know germany or whatever and it's like yeah, that's cool. But this is where I don't want to say the money is because obviously there's no money in music, but uh, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's where, like you said, it's the hub of like, this is where the industry thrives the, the largest. It's true. Um, now there are some cool stuff that happen overseas. And I mean, we, we played, we used to play this thing called Christmas rock night in Germany for like three years we did was it three years or two years i can't remember and it was amazing because people would love us there like so much love and but at the same time too it was like that's just one that's just one like festival thing um there's lots of bands that tour europe and they're playing you know the shittiest but you also play shitty stuff here too i don't even know yeah. where I'm going this tangent but yeah there's a lot of love and it's it's actually sometimes really hard to break into the to the europe um industry too i always hear you have to do one tour where you completely just do shitty and then after that you'll do somewhat well and i think that might be the same for european uh bands coming over to the u.s you got to have one real shitty u.s right. to like break through but I don't know. I hear a lot of good things about people uh, going over to Australia and playing though. Like us bands always seem to have a real fun time. Yeah. Um, and I never hear about the cost being that bad opposed to the other way around. So I don't know. Yeah. I, I think it's one of those things, not that we need to get political on it, but I think the U S border is harder to come into than it is to go out of. And a lot of other countries, like the visas don't cost as much and there's less paperwork to, to do mm -hmm. some of that stuff. Um, depending on how long you're going to be there, you know, like if you're really going over for download fest in, in the UK, like, cool, I'm only here for a week. I don't have to do near as much paperwork. Yeah. Um, there's also like, like for Australia, there's only like what, 10 big cities kind of similar. Right. To <laughs> so you yeah. can actually do a full run and it's like the cities are so far apart that you're flying. Yeah. It's just like a whole different way of of doing it so i guess when an australian band comes here they're like okay well, we got to do the whole country and that's 65 cities you know so yeah yeah <laughs> a lot going but, on so we were looking at the uh the tour route and like uh there's one night that they play in i forget which direction it goes not important they either play in san antonio and then go to albuquerque or vice versa but it's an 11 hour drive and it's literally back to back dates. Like, mm. so, you know, we're over here, we're semi jet lagged. We don't have a driver or extra personnel. Like we're playing a show, we're packing the, va the van and we're driving to the next town. Um, you know, and I think one of the things we talked about and by no means am I saying let's shit on solid state because I, I know they're an incredible label and I don't mean it that way, but I think a lot of people assume that, oh, well, you're signed to a label. Everything's taken care of for you. No, it, it's not, you know, like there's still a lot of work that goes into it from the band. 
No, there's literally, I mean, solid states helped us with paying for like our album costs and, and some music video costs. But when it comes to touring, solid state has never and doesn't help bands at all. And that does suck, but also doesn't suck because that means that we get to make a hundred percent of everything that we earn. Um, there are labels out there that will sure help you with your touring costs, but then they take 60% of your merch sales. And it's like, it's kind of hard to, to finally feel like you're actually your own business because it's like, you just feel like you're working for a boss and getting right. paid hourly at that point. And so there's, there's, I don't know. It's, it's, it's interesting because yeah, solid state's never been a touring helping label. And I personally like it that way because yeah. I like to make a hundred percent of everything. Obviously it's some of it goes to a booking agent or a manager, but you know, I want to make sure that I am making all that money and I don't have to freaking get it recouped from fucking label. That's bullshit. When, yeah. It, it's, it's less pressure and more pressure at the same time, right? Like less pressure because you don't have that quota in your head that like, fuck, we have to make this much tonight. Otherwise we can't pay them back. But also more pressure because now it's like, well, this is quote unquote, purely my money. I'm going to push a little harder. I'm going to hustle a little harder trying to get, hey, you need to buy two t-shirts, not just the one or whatever. Oh yeah. And the, and the thing too, like, you know, because I know I'm making hundred percent of my money, I am very inclined to really focus on making really good merch designs, or I'm really right. inclined to, you know, do some good marketing campaigns around new merch that's coming out. And then of course, you know, trying just everything to make as much money at a show as I possibly can. Um, you know, so VIP stuff or this and that, like you get really creative with it when you know that you're actually making the money. If it's just, if you just know it's going to someone else, you'd be like, I don't, I don't, you can figure that out. You're, you're, you know. Right. Right. Um, yeah. So let's dive into the music a little bit. Um, we said before we got like the live part of the, the recording here, um, you put the banjo up on the wall for a reason. So let's go <laughs> ahead and get it out of the way. Uh, let's talk a little bit about cover girl, you know, um, some, for some people, probably their first introduction to you for others. It's definitely one of those songs in the catalog to be checked out. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's definitely a, it's definitely a first song for a lot of people. Um, but it's definitely a classic and, uh, we love playing it live. We don't play the banjo live, but this is the banjo that was, um used to record i believe it is it's it's actually my friend maddie b who maddie b shout out to him is the cowboy that talks uh in the voiceover for the album and plays the bad cowboy in our saloon music video he okay. had a banjo and he gave he let me borrow it um so i did all of the stuff uh, for cover girl with it and then he gave it to me I don't think he gave it to me. He let me borrow it like two years ago. <laughs> I haven't given it back to him. So if Matt, he'll never, ever see this podcast. He does. He's very, very elusive. I haven't talked to him in weeks, but <laughs> he'll never see this. Sorry, Matt. I think I kind of just passively took your banjo from you. <laughs> but you know, you know much. what? I kind of hope. I kind of hope this is the one thing he does see. And yeah. he calls you up. He's like, hey, bro, about that fucking banjo on the wall. <laughs> Well, I think there's I think there's a bit of meaning or history behind the banjo on his his family side too. So mm. there's history with it in the ongoing concept. I don't know. I could see him just it could go either way. 
So we'll see. I feel like if it was a big, big deal, he would have said something, you know? Oh, he totally would have. I I originally asked to have it again because I was making a song for my wedding for the highlight reel of of my wife and I getting married a couple of years ago. And so I he brought it over. And of course, you know, we're just reminiscing about the history of the banjo with the TSC cover girl shit. And um, so I, I ended up never even using the banjo for the song I was making, but I used the mandolin. I used that thing for the, yeah. it was that way cooler. But <laughs> yeah, anyone listening, this is the banjo that was used for cover girl. And it is super out of tune and is actually pretty shitty. It's not that good, <laughs> but you didn't really need a whole lot of stuff for that song. It was just a down, down, da, down, 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 da, down kind of thing. So yeah, it, it was more about the aesthetic for it than it was the <laughs> the quality. I don't know um, what I don't know what ever made us think of doing the banjo for that song. I'm trying to think back, but I don't remember. I mean, that would have been about the right time for Red Dead Redemption coming out. Maybe that was, you know what I mean? Subconsciously, like the video game came out, and you're like. Hey, that song's cool. You want to know something funny about Red Dead? I just bought Red Dead 2. I've never played Red Dead ever. And I just bought it like a month ago. And it's so sick though, isn't it? it definitely was not influenced at all by Red Dead. But now <laughs> I totally get it. I think I probably would have been more inclined. I don't know what brought the whole saloon thing into. You know what it was? Have you watched... Um, Jackie Chan and Owen Wilson, Shanghai, Shanghai mm-hmm. Nights. Yep. I think the bar scene and the whole fight scene. Right. Uh, I love Jackie Chan. And I went on this huge Jackie Chan binge, like, and I do it like every five years or so. I'll go on another Jackie <laughs> Chan binge. And I think at the time I had been on one, and there's this scene where they just have this huge bar fight and everything's breaking. And the saloon looks so like classic saloon. That I remember just being like, man, it'd be sick to do a music video like that in that in the saloon. That'd be cool. Oh, wait, we should just name a record saloon. <laughs> I don't really know. But hey, you know, it works. And now that you said that, I have to, I'm gonna put you on the spot. Your top five Jackie Chan movies, what are they? Oh man. Um, well, Shang, I always get Shanghai Nights and Shanghai Noon confused. They're both really good, but the one, the original one, um, the first one, that's I think my favorite. And then I love uh, Rush Hour. I like all three Rush Hours, but I think Rush Hour 2 is my favorite of the Rush Hours. And then, um, God, man, you're really putting me on the spot. <laughs> I got to think. Um, oh, the Drunken Master is really good. Yep. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to... Th- I'm not like super like good at some of his, the names of them. There's also one called like, don't, don't mess with Mr. Nice guy. I think mm-hmm. that one. So I'm at four right now. I've got to name one more. The, there's, I think there's one called first strike where he's like snowboarding and he flies off of a, off of a cliff and grabs a, a helicopter. Yeah. Like that one was cool too. There's just so many, like he is, so insane i (laughs) i love watching stuff and and the the crazy thing for anybody that you know maybe is too young to really remember jackie chan especially in his prime i'm 38 so i do um that motherfucker does all his own stunts until they tell him he can't do them you know like yeah and he's like, like rumble in the bronx all sorts of stuff he's like went to the hospital because he did his own stunts yeah, there's a there's a video that I love. Um, do you know Angry Video Game Nerd Nerd mm-hmm. Rolf? Yeah, 
Um, he does a whole video on the most insane Jackie Chan stunts. And of course, James Rolfe is just the best because he just says fuck all the time. <laughs> I love listening to his voice. And he does the top 10 Jackie Chan moments. And it is so crazy because this guy has broken almost every bone in his body. Um, and I remember watching an interview with Jackie Chan about how he's like blacklisted in every country for health insurance. Because oh, no, yeah. no one would ever want to pick him up as a client. Um, so, yeah, he does. Oh, he's just so crazy. And, you know, he's really good because he trains all of his stuntmen, too. So mm-hmm. it's it when you see him in his movies, his stuntmen are like one in the same in the sense that they're basically just as talented as he is doing these stunts along with them. And the choreograph choreography is just so good. I love yeah. it. Yeah. No, that and that's a weird tangent for us to get on, but I'm totally down I for it. Down uh, <laughs> all day long. I, that's like one of my favorite actors for sure. Yeah, and he's not really an actor. He just was so good at what he does that he did then brought in the acting after the fact, and it yeah. worked. It's yeah. great. No, it, it's insane. Um, so now you know. Now that we got the uh, cover girl out of the way and, and <laughs> talked about it, let's talk about the new the new stuff, man. You've got a new album. You guys have dropped a couple singles off of it now. You're starting to see some traction. Um, streams are looking pretty good. Sounds or you know feels dirty to say that because it, it's not about that necessarily. But at the same time, like you have to acknowledge the streams. Um, what yeah. does this What does this album mean for you guys? You know, coming back, um, self producing the whole thing, if I'm not mistaken, and kind of being able to say, hey, you know, we're back and take a look at us. Um, yeah, I mean, it's awesome to see people really like, we weren't really sure how people were going to take us coming back in the sense that, you know, it's been a few years and people's attention spans are pretty, pretty low. Um, so we really weren't sure if it was going to go positively, but the response has been nothing but great. Everyone is just so happy that we're back. And I feel like our songs have been able to push something new that we do but also go back to our roots in in and bring a traditional you know ongoing concept uh vibe to everything and i was something that we really wanted to make sure we did we didn't want to like come out with just brand new era of the ongoing concept doesn't sound anything like us back in the day we wanted to still capitalize on some of that cool stuff that we did back 10 years ago when we were young you know young adults that just wanted to go crazy on stage so um it's been awesome. I don't. Did that answer the question? Yes. <laughs> I feel like I drifted off a little. No, bit. no, you're fine. That <laughs> that definitely answers the first part of my set of questions, which was, you know, how does it feel? Um, talk a little bit about this this process. You know, getting into the studio again. Um, you guys again, self producing the the vast majority of stuff. Obviously, um, having some some guests help you out with stuff. Uh, that's my hint about Josh Schroeder, uh, but yeah, about this back in the mix. Um, so your Zoom call kind of cut out. I didn't hear the oh, last. After Josh Schroeder, I didn't hear anything. Yeah, you're fine. I I was saying, um, so you know, having Josh in, having a, a few people to quote unquote help out. What's it feel like to be back and like? fully in control with the mix and everything um 
Oh, it feels good. Um, you know, I produced everything this this time, but I was really, I was really like worried that I just didn't have what it took to mix it um, to this to the modern ways of mixing these days. And that's why I got Josh involved. And I, I only picked Josh cause I'm very particular every, I always look at every single song as like my own child. Like I wouldn't want to send my 10 kids to a shitty daycare. Like right. I want to make sure that they're going to the right spot. Um, so I, <laughs> I saw a nail the mix that he had done. And, uh, I don't know if you know what nail the mix is, but it's like a mixing, um, live stream where they talk about how they mix and he was mixing Lorna Lorna Shore at the time and he just seemed like the perfect kind of piece of shit person like (laughs) just sarcastic asshole like in the best possible way and I'm like I want to just talk to this guy because this might work out so I just (laughs) I sent him a video at like 10 p.m at night and I was like hey Josh I don't know if you know who I am but uh I'm just so fucking tired of trying to mix my record and anyways he got back to me and that's been a really cool relationship that we've um, cultivated just from all of that. And uh, it's just awesome to like, kind of take a little bit of a break away from doing everything myself. Like our band has been so on DIY doing everything ourselves, our own music videos, building our own fucking instruments, blah, blah, blah. Um, That it's exhausting. It's so exhausting. I can't become like a master fucking person at every single craft that I do and mixing is sometimes hard to to do and um so to to take the brains away a little bit from me and have someone else kind of from a neutral standpoint help me out was really really cool and um trying to trying to think yeah it was just overall awesome and I feel like that's a big step that the ongoing concept has taken is I'm now less I, I still do a lot of shit. I do a ton of shit, but <laughs> my brothers back in the day didn't do nearly as much as they do now um, because I would do everything. And now Parker, you know, Parker is a great drummer, but he's also a great producer. He's also a great videographer. And so he's helping me do our music videos now, helping me, um, you know, edit and color correct and all this stuff. And he also is like helping, you know, do some production work on the side too. Uh, TJ is the same way. TJ has his own little studio and stuff. So he was helping sending vocal tracks that he had done himself. Like all of these things were things that never happened before. And now it just relieved a lot of stress on my end. So I could just have someone else do it. So it's a new, it's a new like age of the ongoing concept as far as production goes and all of those little intricacies that go behind the scenes. No one really gets to talk about because it's there's a lot involved to get an album done yeah and you know that's something I actually do try to talk with a lot of artists about because I do think there's so much that it sounds like rude to say but like casual fans or the casual listener doesn't understand what all goes into a record and and videos and things like that and like you know a sound engineer is an unsung hero, a, a mixer, masterer, producer, all these people that play very, very key parts. Like there's so many of them out there that have done incredible work, but like people may know three or four names of any of them. You know what I mean? Like, like Josh is incredible and has done some awesome stuff and he's becoming much more well-known. But if you would have said something about Josh, even two years ago, people would have been like, 
poop. I know it's funny because I, <laughs> I, I saw what he was doing with Lorna Shore and Tala and King 810. And especially with Lorna Shore, I just saw how big that band was becoming. And I'm like, I need to lock this motherfucker right now. <laughs> He's going to be the guy for the next, like, however long. And luckily it all worked out. And I told him when I was leaving his house, cause I flew, I flew over there for a week and mixed with him. And, uh, when I was leaving, he's like, you guys going to do our, your next record with me? I'm like, I mean, it depends. Are you going to be too famous for us <laughs> next time <laughs> I see you? So it was cool. But he's such a humble person. And he he's so cool, like, in the sense that he him and I just really, folk, like, mesh well. Because he uh, he he does a lot of DIY stuff, too. Um, so his whole studio is, like, in how he's cultivated like his production style and his mixing styles all from trial and error doing everything himself he doesn't have any assistance it's just him and his wife um and they have a bunch of pinball machines that they can go play every night after it's the cutest thing um but that's what made me really like working with him was that it felt like he's more of like a big brother because the way that he approaches music is very similar to how i do so i'm really really happy to see him being successful with all these cool bands he's been working with. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think that's something too, that I always, you know, quote unquote preach uh, on the podcast is like the importance of finding the right people to surround yourself with, because you could have went out and grabbed whoever to produce the record, not saying it wouldn't have been good, but it wouldn't have felt like it feels with Josh. It wouldn't have felt the way that you intended it to feel. Yeah, and our music is so kind of all over the place, too, that I needed someone that was willing to try something new. And a lot of producers are scared of that. Mine's myself included. Like, I always get a little bit queasy thinking about working with a different style of music, too. Um, but Josh just loves the challenge. And I think that's why it works so well. Yeah. Um, I don't remember if we actually named the album. Uh, the album's called Again, and it is dropping March 31st via Solid State. Um, let's talk a little bit about, so something I don't do anymore because I've been doing this a long time. I don't like to break the connection that anybody potentially makes to a song. So I don't ask like the specifics on uh, Prisoner, for example, Prisoner Again. Like I'm not asking specifically like where was your head at what was this you know whatever but I do like to to give people a little bit of a peek behind the curtain with like sonically what was the message you're trying to deliver things like that you know the more robust side of it um and let's kick off with prisoner again because it's out so why not right um (laughs) go ahead prisoner again is I, I think, well, Prisoner Again was like our least favorite song for a long time. We had demos of it early on, um, but we just couldn't find, we just couldn't find a flow that made sense. Like everything, it just sounded so mediocre metalcore and it was, I don't know. And so I think, I think the thing was, was that we, we knew we were going to try to get it on the record. We just didn't know how. And I think TJ and Andy doing their vocals on it really added enough that we're like, okay, this is cool. It kind of feels like a one direction now. Cause we got Kyle, myself and Andy and TJ all doing their vocals. Um, so that was cool. Um, and then 
when Josh, when Josh got a hold of it too, like the mix was pretty, like I said, pretty standard metalcore sounding, and he somehow added some cool flares to it mix wise that really made it stand out. And I've always been a fan of the Devil Wears Prada Zombie EP from like back in the day, and I yeah. felt like that this song Prisoner Again had a zombie EP style vibe where you could run like you could. I used to jog like to the zombie EP because like the BPM of all the songs are kind of the same. They're just very vibey mm-hmm. and prisoner again, kind of had that vibe. And I love that. So I don't know. We were thinking like we, we, re- we filmed feel again uh, way like the music video, like way before we filmed prisoner again, prisoner again was our last, like the last music video we actually filmed. Yeah. <laughs> and we only did that because after we got the mixes back from Josh, all of us, especially Parker was like, guys, I, I hate to say this, but I think we need to film another music video for prisoner again and make this the first song because this one just hits so hard and also showcases everything that our band has to offer. Um, especially with the addition of TJ and Andy doing vocals. So that's where we were in our heads. Um, and it just morphed into this cool idea of, of, you know, the music video and running in the snow and playing in the snow and doing all this stuff. It just was like, I don't know. It, it was a, it kind of like started to just a snowball effect, I guess. And the, the end result was very well worth it. Yeah. Yeah. No pun intended with the snow in the music video and the snowball, right? Oh yeah. Snowball. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so I, I think you're right. I think it's one of those things, you know, obviously I, I dug into the, the back catalog uh, in preparation for this. And like, I had heard songs before. I'll be perfectly honest. Solid State just never was a record label that I paid a ton of attention to for whatever reason. Um, they've had some incredible bands and I just haven't looked, you know, um, but I, I dug into it, you know, and I think for me hearing Prisoner again, like you said, it's this, it's this like almost reintroduction, but it's really saying like, we used to kind of only do this one thing, but look at how far we've come. And now we're pushing this box open and showing you like, there's a lot of depth in here. Sure. And I think, Oh, I, I guess my next thing was I was going to say, then we released Unwanted again, but I'm guessing you probably want to move on to that one. So, but no, you're fine because that, that's what I was going to next. So you segued uh, for me. <laughs> segueing into Unwanted again, we really wanted to showcase kind of our like full throttle prisoner again, but then also showcase like what we are also doing. And that's why we released both those songs kind of. Um, simultaneously and they also kind of connect if you are in the lore of of the ongoing concept um but that unwanted again in my i think that's our favorite song because we love we love bands like don broco and stuff like that like we love like the funky kind of um groovy stuff and unwanted again showcases that but it also showcases some more awesome vocals from tj and I think we just really wanted to show like, Hey, it's not just Dawson and Kyle doing back and forth vocals. It's now TJ as well, you know, and Andy, and there's some cool stuff here. And of course, you know, showcases that Kyle's playing the piano still and doesn't have to always be screaming. Like we just wanted to kind of give like a, a red and blue um, 
Do you remember back in the day, people, I remember some people did this. They'd actually buy two iPods. They'd buy a red iPod and they'd buy a blue iPod and they'd put all the heavy music on the red iPod and mm-hmm. all, the, all the calm music on the blue iPod. That's what I kind of wanted to do. I wanted to show a red and a blue. So yeah, that's kind of like the what what brought us to doing both those those music videos kind of one after another. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, and it's funny you mentioned that because I'm sure there are a bunch of kids, and I'm going to use that term derogatory on this point, a bunch of kids that don't remember iPods like that, you know, like, what do you mean the iPod existed and it didn't make a phone call? Like, it's boy, <laughs> it existed and didn't have a screen for a while. Like, don't you start with me. <laughs> oh, man, those are good times. I miss, I miss kind of like, I miss the concept of having an an iPod and having just your iPod headphones and then mm-hmm. splitting and having one ear and then another ear and a friend's ear. Right. Especially if it was like a girl, like you always felt really cool. Yep. You know, like that, that right there just doesn't happen. Like there's yeah. a classic shot of Pam, Jim and Pam in the office doing that. And that yes. really encapsulates like the, the, that era of time and you just cannot recreate that anymore and it's really sad oh hell yeah okay bubblehead what (laughs) hold on let me see i've got it right here hold on oh hell yeah (laughs) my my co-worker gave me this it's the hell yeah the dundee yeah (laughs) it's so good yeah, The Office. I've watched the show probably, I don't know, thirty times all the way through. I'm very yeah. much into it. Yeah, more times than I'd care to admit. I mean, yeah. if it, it's it's one of those comfort shows for me that like I can just put it on and I don't yep. have to worry about anything else. Like, it, I, do you find yourself like speaking in quotes of The Office? Yes, like all the time. I do it. I do it so often, especially since my coworker, both my coworkers, is kind of talking that same thing and my my oldest and longest friend who married my wife and i he also talks in quotes i think he actually started off our wedding with a quote from the office oh my gosh i've just i've been so obsessed with that show i know everybody has it's so cliche to say that you love the office but i can guarantee you that if you office trivia me because i have one office trivia um I, I know me. a lot more than you think. You have me to. Too. Yep, me too. <laughs> have you been watching the super fans on Peacock? Yep. Yep. I'm I'm hoping <laughs> season six comes out. It's been almost it's been a long time, but they usually did like six months and then did the next one. But I think yeah, I haven't heard anything and I'm really bummed out. I haven't either. And it's something I'm I'm really amped for because like they I don't know if you'll remember this when the office was still on the air. Um, and first went into syndication, they actually did little like web releases of some of the bonus scene stuff that's in the super fan episodes now too. Um, yep. So like one of the early Halloween parties, there's a whole fucking like segment that the original version that went to air, you didn't see that, you know, fucking Toby's dressed up and, and Kelly and all this shit. Yep. And there's a party in the warehouse and it's like, where the fuck was that? When would, why did we miss that? You know, yeah. there's a lot of stuff and it makes a lot more. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff that's happening too. That makes a lot more sense. And some of it, honestly, it's, it, I kind of like that they didn't add it. So when I see it on the Peacock version, I'm like, eh, 
I know why they cut that. But right. then there's a lot of stuff where I'm like, how the hell did you not keep this in? You know, one that's really funny is, um, have you seen the scene? I think, I don't know what season it's from. I forget. But you know the season where Oscar like breaks a window in the car because the dogs mm-hmm. are and he pokes the holes in the cardboard. And then um, later on in the scene, in the deleted version, there's a scene where Kevin is getting um, a, uh, interrogated or like gets uh he, he goes out to the back of the warehouse yeah. that guy wants money because he's has because kevin has gambling debt and if you look yeah. in the back it's that car which means that guy was the one that had the car with the <laughs> right. dog and you would never know that but I and love it's, that. it's like you know i don't know where you land on the scranton strangler um conspiracy oh but yeah the, the car that's shown on the news footage driving you know in the chase is parked at the office earlier yeah earlier in the show oh that same episode but like earlier in the season that same car exists in the parking lot and that's why people are like well toby mysteriously wasn't at work that day yeah car's missing and that's where the whole toby scranton strangler tree begins i've always like wanted to believe that toby because there's so many things like he 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 doesn't come to pam's um when she has gives birth. the art show oh yeah the, yep. gives birth and then the strand strangler strikes that that following yep. day and then there's a couple times when toby says something like i think michael scott says you're the silent killer and then he says you'll see and yeah. like little things you know like i've watched the whole conspiracy thing but i know that paul liberstein the guy that plays toby has mentioned that there's never been anything right. to do with that being a thing um but then also it's like well maybe that's just hinting that maybe it was, you know, yeah. like you're Paul Liberstein. You're, you can make whatever you want of it. Yeah. yeah. I no, love that, it. Yes, it that was a it's cool. such a great show and, you know, weird tangent for us to get on, I guess, but okay. if somebody didn't want to hear it too bad. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Because I, I think, you know, it goes into what we talked about earlier, like the hobbies and shit like that too. Like there are so many bands that I know of, that don't even get into TV shows because they're so worried about, well, I have to post on Instagram 17 times a day or whatever, like take the time to enjoy something. Yeah. I mean, I, I think like, it's really weird because fame, fame is always going to outbeat fortune and happiness. Like, like these, some of these guys, they care so much about being in front of an audience and being praised and having a ton of likes on their Facebook posts. And like, I, I know what it feels like in the sense that I know what it, I know I can understand where that is, but some people right. make that their whole life. And it's not, it's not only is it not healthy, but like when you look back 10 years later and look back on your life, I, I just feel like that's not a very fun thing to look back on. And I don't know. I just think that some people live in this, this reality for so many years and they, they get so like just zombie esque to it and mm-hmm. it just deteriorates them from the inside out. And by the time they realize that it's, it's done so much damage, there is, da- they're so damaged at that point that they don't know how to reverse it. And a right. lot of times, like we, we've talked about this at the, the, the program that I work for that sometimes like when you go through situations like that, it takes just as much time that you are destroying or doing this type of thing. You have to reverse that back just to get back to the, the square one 
to then progress. So if you are living in an an incredibly uh, toxic lifestyle for 10 years, it could take you almost 10 years to get back to a spot where you, you can actually grow. That's a very long time for people, you know, that's a, that's a 10 year commitment to kind of, so I don't know, I guess my thing is I really, really wish that there was a little bit more. um, And there is, there's, there's, uh, there's heart support. There's other things. Um, You were saying that you have your own thing. I just think that the mental health thing should be um, focused a lot more. Of course it is, but I think it's, it, it really needs to play into things a little bit more. It's just like, you know, schools should be teaching kids about how to pay their taxes and not, and not saying yes to a hundred thousand dollars of financial aid when they go to college that would, right. that, you know, that they can never pay off. Like we, we should be teaching them that shit. We should be yep. talking about mental health and finding hobbies and, and things to be um, approach and be happy with besides just being famous or whatever the fuck that even means these days. Like, I don't know. I, well, and- I and no, you're absolutely right. And it is so subjective on the the fame thing. Like is fame a million likes on an Instagram post? Is it never having to worry about money? Like it's, it's obviously different from, for everybody. Um, and, you know, I think, I think often gets mistaken is that people, I'm just formulating this as we talk about it, people mistake fame for success for happiness they think if they're famous that they're successful and if they're successful they're going to be happy and those things are not intrinsic intrinsically tied together where all those things have to be true in order for one of them to be true no yeah and that's the thing is that you know the more fame you have and the more successful you are only means that you have to continue increasing that you can't just like you can't just like go you can't just be like um like winning the lottery in the sense that like all right i'm famous now i can just not do anything and be happy like no you have to stay relevant now like you actually have to keep going and like (laughs) that's the thing you know so um i don't know i always i'm like really intrigued and and i really am impressed with certain people that have been able to to cultivate like a following um cultivate uh, something like in Hollywood or music and just kind of like stay out of the limelight, but also be like super relevant. Like that is a, an intriguing thing for me. Um, yeah. Trying to think of someone that is kind of like that. Um, oh, I'll think of a band. I got a good band. Mashuga, Mashuga, Mashuga. I don't really listen to that band, but I always look at them and I saw a recent video of them and they're like so old. They're like, they all have gray beards and they've been doing this thing for so long and you never hear about drama. You never hear about anything. They just play and write their records and do their thing. And it looks, I bet you all of them have crazy fun hobbies beyond just the band. Oh, I'm sure. You know, and that is something that I thrive to be. Um, if we can be anything, um, I'm trying to think of an, of an actor that's kind of like that. Um, I always think of Rick Moranis, uh, cause he kind of just dipped out, but I think that was because his wife got cancer and he had to kind of take over the family. But I love people that just 
do their thing, dip out. Jack Black's kind of the same way too. Yeah. He's always he's always doing his thing, but he's been able to just like have fun and have hobbies outside of just being, you know, what he's doing. And uh I don't know. Those are the people that I look up to. Yeah. No, the the uh, Rick Moranis one, you're absolutely right. So his wife got sick and he literally quit Hollywood to take care of the family. And then she passed and he was like, "Well, I can't I can't go back to Hollywood." when my kids are still in school and all this. So like he gave up acting because family was more important to him. And to your point, like he's kind of getting, I saw somewhere he's getting back into like either producing or something directing maybe okay. now. Um, but yeah, like he's just now stepping back into the Hollywood thing. And we're talking, that's been what 20 plus years at this point. Yeah. Have you seen the commercial for mint mobile with ryan reynolds yes and it's just him walking into frame and be like so what do you want me for and ryan reynolds is like oh i just wanted to see you dude that's it yeah <laughs> that was so amazing i laughed so hard oh because do you remember do you remember the movie strange brew yes okay that's a classic canadian awesome i fucking love that movie and i'm american most of my friends have never seen i've forced so many people to watch yeah. it and they're like I don't, I don't fucking get it. And I'm like, it's the best movie of all time. It's so good. It's so cringy in some ways. Like it's, it's a cult classic. You have to watch it. And most people might not think it's very funny, but it, you watch it again and you laugh a little bit more and then you watch right. it again and you laugh a little more. And then after a while, it finally like dawns on you how freaking hilarious the whole movie is. And then it's just, you have to tell your friends about it. And it's amazing. And, and that's like, you know, let's keep it Canadian. I don't even remember how I, uh, my uncle showed me this show. I feel like, do you remember the red green show? Oh, hundred percent. We used to watch that shit all the time. That is that, oh. the, the stuff that he does. And the, the, I always got so amazed by how they made the contraptions he's making work. <laughs> right. Like, how do you film that and have it work the way? Cause it's so jankety. Like, yeah. It's so cool. Like same with like um, home improvement with the tool time. Right. There were some inventions that they did that were so like crazy and they had to film that invention. So I'm just wondering like the behind the scenes of these people creating the contraption that they would then film. And of course they don't want to kill anybody. Right. Same with Red <laughs> green show, you know, it's like, they don't want to hurt anybody. Like it's just yeah. a huge liability at the end of the day. Yeah. And, you know, another thing too, like, trailer park boys um my wife and i have been watching trailer park boys a lot and there's there's stuff about that show especially like back like season one two three four before it got picked up by netflix and stuff like some of the stuff they're doing is just so insane and for no one to recognize that show for so long um just blows my mind of course it's canadian show too just yeah oh, so good yeah no it it is it's insane um that was a wild tangent that we got on, but I, I love it. Uh, <laughs> yes. So no, no, you're totally fine. Like I said, this is a conversation, not an interview, right? So oh, yeah. fuck it. Um, I do want to circle back to the album briefly uh, as we kind of start to wrap up here. Sure. One of the questions I do enjoy asking um, when you've got a new release coming out, it's a two-part question. Number one is what song on the album do you think people are going to gravitate to? And then the flip side of that, what song do you want people to gravitate to? So these are songs that haven't been released yet. If you think that something that's out is already at the top spot, go for it. Um, I think, well, 
I think people I'm going to just I'm going to just ditch the three songs and go with the other ones. There is a okay. song called Amends Again that I think people mm-hmm. are going to really um, love. I think that's going to be a great, great one. I think the song that I'm hoping people will really like is Melody Again. I personally think that's one of my favorite songs. I think Unwanted Again is my favorite song because I just love the grooviness of it. But Melody Again has a, a thing to it too that's just it's it in my opinion very cinematic i, I want to do a music video for it at some point this year but i i don't know how to execute it correctly and we just we've been so busy with other things we haven't had time to film it but yeah. it to me i just imagine it cinematically a lot i also imagine some of our others like um falling again is our very last song that <laughs> song is so freaking good um in the sense that every time i listen to it i get kind of goosebumps and i i cinematically can see that being a really fun music video too so <clears throat> i think amends again people are going to really love like our main audience but i also hope that people kind of gravitate towards melody again as well yeah yeah absolutely and i've i've gotten to listen to the album once through uh mainly because i didn't realize the team sent me the uh the early they, stream really? yeah oh, nice. so i didn't realize it at first and then uh earlier today i was going through my emails and i'm like oh shit there's the stream i gotta go <laughs> go check out the whole album so um oh, cool. i i think for me uh melody again's up there and you will go again is up there oh cool yeah you will go again it's really fun too um we're playing that one we're learning that one live right now uh, because we just that one's a really fun one to play um, for all of us. So we're kind of practicing for our shows coming up here next month. And um, yeah, you will go is a good one for sure. Yeah, um, I don't think I got the tour announcement. So uh, let's go ahead and hit on that. What's the what's the tour dates and kind of uh, the plan for that? Sure. Uh, so we're doing like an album release, small little like tour um it's just three dates just kind of playing in our area i know everyone is gonna say why don't you come to florida <laughs> yeah it's because it's three thousand miles away or something like that it takes three days to get to you that's why right. um gas is not cheap uh but yeah it's we're playing april 7th at the big dipper in spokane um april 8th at mano occulta in portland oregon and then the shredder on april 9th uh in boise idaho so that will be a fun time we're gonna be playing i think we're playing like four or five new songs so which is a lot for a new album because we have not learned any of these songs we are not a band that there's a lot of bands that write music playing together like in a practice space and then there's a lot i would say even more bands that write in this that write on the computer and then figure it out after the fact. And we are definitely the one that figures it out after the fact. So we are learning shit right now and hopefully we can pull these songs off live. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no. And I think, I think that became more prevalent throughout the COVID, you know, pandemic. It it became more out of necessity. I think it, it was that thing of like bands that to your point used to get into a practice space, let's jam out, let's do it transition to hey you have dropbox right like i'm gonna write this thing and send it to you you know what's crazy about dropbox um i if i could literally be a salesman for dropbox i would because i fucking hate google drive so much thank you Um, (laughs) i am in that camp too man somebody sent me a google drive a link the other day at work and i was like why the fuck do we not pay 12.99 
for Dropbox. Like, please. Doesn't make any sense. So the cool thing about Dropbox, and I'm, I've been trying to advocate for this, is like, or be the spokesman for fucking Dropbox, is you can literally do your whole session. So if you're using Pro Tools or using Reaper or you're using Adobe Premiere and doing videos, you can put everything into a Dropbox and share it with your friend or your coworker. And in real time, you are literally working on the cloud at all times. And you can just grab and start up a session in Reaper or Pro Tools or Adobe Premiere or do whatever you want. And everything's there. You don't have to be like sending like the whole zip file. It's just all in your Dropbox in a folder that looks just like your My Documents folder. It's so sick. And I don't think Google Drive does anything like that. Maybe it does, but the big- If they do, I don't know about it. I don't know about it either. And I've been using Dropbox for almost for over a decade. And it to me is like, it's like drinking water. I'm so used to it. And then when I hear people not understand it, I'm like, how do you not know of the something that has been happening for literally 12, 13 years? It is the best way to collaborate with people. So that's my little stick on Dropbox. Dropbox, if you're hearing this, you should have me do a video for you. I will. Or or sponsor the next tour or something, right? Sponsor us. Yeah. (laughs) I am so pro Dropbox. <laughs> so good. I, I totally agree. Um, kind of my wrap-up questions that I've been doing here lately. I bought this game called Hot Takes. Uh, so it's kind of like Cards Against Humanity, but just shitty, okay. uh, shitty questions, right? So okay. I've got two of them that I'm going to ask you. I've been asking everybody for the last like two weeks, just two of these questions. Okay. Uh, number one is preheating the oven is unnecessary uh so this is just questions yeah yeah so like they they claim it's a hot take i don't think that's a hot take i think that's fucking common sense that you don't have to fucking preheat your oven i don't yes you wait you don't think you need to preheat the oven i have never once preheated my oven i take a frozen pizza we're going to get into this debate i take a frozen pizza i put it on the fucking tray and i just put it in the oven kick the oven off let it warm up while the timer and not only i'll be perfectly honest i don't even set a timer but i just let it warm up that's the problem that's the difference is that you don't set a timer you go with what you think is right i mean you could go uh, a lot of people cook on a barbecue like barbecue is never going to be like a consistent temperature so you you have to kind of be a cook in the sense you need to know when that shit is ready to go for me personally i do preheat my oven because I follow when it comes to cooking, I follow directions very much to the T. So if it says to preheat, set at 425 and cook for 18 minutes, I'm thinking of a pizza. That's exactly what I'm going to do. Now, my wife, on the other hand, she is one that will just wing it and do shit. And it's just as good. But for me, if I were to wing it, I would fuck it up. And I so weird. It's different for me in the cooking thing, because when it comes to everything else in my life, mix like, producing music or doing videos i'm all like winging it on the spot like i don't follow directions at all but when it comes to cooking i am very much to the t um we just we just started doing the HelloFresh thing mm-hmm. or i've been doing it for like 10 months but HelloFresh is very much like you got to follow the the directions but yeah my wife will just wing it and do whatever she wants with it. And it's always great. And I'm like taking an extra 45 minutes. Cause I got to follow every single step. <laughs> so yes, hot take. I can understand why people don't preheat, but I do preheat. So. Okay. Uh, the second one is that dentists are being overdramatic about flossing. Wow. That is, I think kind of true actually. 
I luckily my parents paid quite a bit of money um, for things that they thought were needed for us as kids. And they mm-hmm. got a sealant when we were very young, which is probably why I have had such good luck with hardly any cavities or anything like that. Um, I would recommend sealing any person's teeth. So if you have kids and you want to, it's, it's not like super expensive, but it's such a good thing in the long run. But anyways, I used to get the shit all the time that I needed to floss and I have never floss ever, but I know people that floss all the time and they still get cavities. So I think it depends on the person a little bit. Um, there have been times where I have, like, I have something stuck in my teeth and it won't get out and it, it irritates and stuff. I think obviously then you got to floss, but I think flossing in some ways, I think it all depends on the person. I really do. So I, I would agree with that. I mean, I don't, it, it sounds, you know, ridiculous, but I've, uh, never had a cavity in my life, uh, 38 years old, eat candy, drink, you know, soda, whatever, doesn't matter. Fuck it. Uh, but, um, literally the last time I went to the dentist, they asked the, well, when's the last time you flossed? And I, I pulled the joke out and I was like, well, uh, you were there. So, I mean, legitimately i hadn't flossed since, you, since my last since, yeah. so how how often do you go to the dentist uh as necessary it had legitimately been like i probably had like what you were saying at some point something was stuck in my teeth that i couldn't get out sure i've probably flossed it as a necessary thing i have never once in my life been a daily flosser yeah me either but do you go to the dentist like every six months or every year every two years uh m- every two and that's still probably a stretch okay yeah um that's pretty impressive that you haven't had any cavities um yeah some people just have different their mouths are just different like i don't but know it, what it is, but... my sister hates me she growing up had to have braces had cavities all the time like she brushed her teeth two or three times a day i'm like nope brush my teeth once a day don't floss mouthwash if i feel like i need it whatever you know but that's it that's awesome yeah, yeah, you're lucky. There's a lot of people that can't say the same on that one. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Ridiculousness for sure. Uh, that's everything I've got for you, man. So let's do kind of the standard outro. Obviously, I'll link all the socials and everything, but where can people find you guys online? What's the best way to interact after we've shit talked social media for so long? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everyone can find us, you know, ongoing concept. Most of our handles are at the ongoing concept. I think Twitter is just ongoing concept. You can find us on TikTok. We're really trying to, to provide more short form, short form content on TikTok as well as YouTube as too. Um, you know, all of that short form, short form shit is, uh, annoying to do but it's necessary and we just want people to to have fun with what we're doing um and we have a lot of ideas for some cool content coming out um beyond just the album release and our tours and stuff so yeah um you can also find a lot of cool stuff at our website to the ongoingconcept.com we have merch there that's available and it also has all of our tour dates there so I like to point people on the, the website, actually get the fuck away from Facebook and Instagram, come See, to our website. And, and that's a, another thing that I think the older generation, again, I'm 38, like I appreciate when bands have websites and I can, I can get to their Facebook or whatever if I need to, but like a website to me is still an essential thing. Like that is where everything should be housed. 
there are so many bands that are like, oh, I just do just do us on Instagram or just do this on TikTok. And it's like, but do you understand that people are coming looking for information and don't want to have to hunt? If you have a website where I have buttons I can click to go to tour dates, I'm good. Yeah. And that, that with the company I work for, I built their entire website for the first time. I never built a website before. <laughs> and so I, I used all the knowledge that I gained last year and I built our ongoing concept website. And I wish I would have done it years ago um, because it is, it's, it's great. Now you have to make sure that you're constantly updating it. You'll see some people's websites and they look like they haven't touched them in seven, ye- 10 years, you know, and they look right. really, and they're all of their shirts are sold out and it's just not like, keeping up to date. I think yeah. maybe that's partly why some people like avoid websites, but I, I can't help but feel like the website thing is starting to come back because I think people are really starting to get tired of the algorithms of all the social media. Now it's really hard to find what you're looking for. So if you have an actual legitimate Island that you can, an Island standing for a website that you can just take your boat over to and explore, you know, like yeah. people love that. So, um, I don't know. That's how I look at it. Yeah, absolutely. Fully agree with you. So uh, we'll be sure we link that. That'll be the top link and then everything else. So okay. um, awesome, man. I appreciate it. We'll definitely keep you posted on when this goes live. I'm looking forward to seeing the reaction to the whole album here a little over two or right at about two weeks now. And yeah, me um, too. I hope it does well. I think our, our Spotify numbers are, are doing pretty good. And I feel like this last release really bumped them up a little bit more. So I'm hoping that adding six more songs seven more songs is gonna skyrocket not skyrocket you know what i mean (laughs) i mean skyrocket from where you were like it still counts oh yeah yeah so awesome man i appreciate your time definitely i'll be in touch as far as uh doing a mental health episode as well and maybe a jackie chan episode we'll we'll fuck around we'll find out (laughs) what i'm totally down and that was my conversation with dawson from the ongoing concept hope you guys enjoyed that one i know i did really looking forward to you guys hearing this album um as well as just diving into their old catalog and things like that because this is a band that has a lot of depth has a lot of experience under their belt being reintroduced to Uh, their old fan base as well as a new fan base and they've just got themselves in this really cool position to make some noise in in the scene in the industry Um, so really excited for them really looking forward to see what they can do here Um, as always i'll have links to the uh, in the description uh, to their social medias their website all of that stuff be sure that you go follow them like share subscribe to all their stuff um check out tour dates things like that buy some merch uh anything you can do to support them would be huge so that's everything i've got for you guys on this episode uh as always be sure that you like share subscribe and follow you make the scene instagram facebook uh spotify Apple Music, Amazon, iHeartRadio, Google, wherever you listen to your podcast, uh, this should be there. If it's not where you prefer to listen to your podcast, let us know. We can obviously see if we can't get in that uh, streaming service as well. Other than that, guys, 
it's been a crazy like last three weeks. We've got a ton of awesome episodes coming up. We've got some super dope coverage that we're doing. Uh, be sure you head over to the Instagram or the website, check out our photo galleries and things of that nature because concert season's back in Indiana and I am covering shows. It honestly feels like a couple shows a week, uh, at least for the last couple weeks. So, um, you know, again, thank you guys so much for the support. And as always, remember, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and you make the scene.